Welcome to the 80s Arcade Podcast. Here's your host, Bob Johnson. Hello and welcome to episode 8 of the 80s Arcade Podcast. I'm your host, Bob Johnson. This episode's game is Wizard of War. Description. Wizard of War is an arcade game where up to two players fight together in a series of monster-infested dungeons. Clear each dungeon by shooting all the creatures. There are multiple sources with multiple dates for the release of Wizard of War. I have found sources that state it was released on December 30th, 1980 and December 31st, 1980. I will also note that the manual says June 1981. All sources agree it was released by Bally Midway. If either of the 1980 dates are correct, then it is possible the copy of the manual floating on the internet is a revised version. Another possible scenario for the 1980 dates is that 1980 is when it was declared finished, but wasn't released until June of 81. Like many other events that aren't considered important at the time, dates like this are often lost to the mist of time or buried so deep that they are not easily found. If anyone has definitive proof of a date, let me know. Let's start off with a little technical information. The main CPU is a Zilog Z80 running at 1.789773 MHz. Sound is provided by two Astrocade chips running at 1.789773 MHz and a Voltrex SC01 speech synthesis chip. The video resolution is 320 by 204 pixels with a screen refresh rate of 60 Hz. It has a palette of 256 colors and up to two players can play at once. Control is provided by a four-way joystick that has two positions for each direction. More on how that works later. And there is one button for fire. Wizard of War features some early speech synthesis using the Voltrex SC01 chip, the same chip that later gave the game Gorf its voice. Wizard of War shares a great deal of technology with Gorf. For instance, you can place the Gorf memory board, also labeled the RAM slash ROM board in the manual, in the Wizard of War motherboard and see, but not play, the game. The common features include the power supply, board slots, pattern PCB, CPU PCB, and RAM PCBs. There are nine boards in the Wizard of War board set. They include the following three separate boards, a motherboard, a RGB interface board, and an audio amp number two board. The following six boards plug into the motherboard, much like an ISA or PCI card plugs into a PC card expansion slot. Two RAM boards in spot one and two on the motherboard, a CPU board in spot three, a pattern transfer board in spot four, a memory board in spot five, and finally in spot six, the game logic board. The exception of the audio amp number two board, the memory board, and the game logic board itself, the other six boards, including the motherboard, are used by at least two other Midway games, Gorf and Space App. All three of these games, Space App, Wizard of War, and Gorf, also share the same power supply. Unfortunately, each of these games uses completely different pinouts on the main game board. Also, Wizard of War uses a different amp board the audio amp number two versus the regular audio amp board because it uses three speakers. Gorf and Space App can only use two speakers. The power supply outputs from the motherboard are the same for all these games, 
which means if you have the power supply in the motherboard, you have all the power requirements for any one of these games. There are two sets of dip switches listed for Wizard of War. The first is labeled JU, presumably for jumpers 1 through 8. The only jumper used is jumper 1. Its function is to flip the screen. If jumper 1 is off, the screen is not flipped. If jumper 1 is on, the screen is flipped. By default, it is off. The second set of dip switches is labeled S1, presumably for switch 1 through 8. Hold on to your seat, fans. What follows is the 16 options that Wizard of War uses for switches 1 through 8. If you want the left-hand coin slot to have one coin, one credit, switch 1 is off. Two coins, one credit, switch 1 is on. For the right-hand coin slot, one coin, one credit, switch 2 is off, and switch 3 is off. Two coins, one credit, switch 2 is on, switch 3 is off. For one coin, three credits, switch two is off, switch three is on. And for mega credits, one coin, five credits, switch two is on, switch three is on. For language, for English, switch four is off. For a foreign language, switch four is on. You'll notice that it doesn't say any specific foreign language, just foreign language. For the number of warriors per credit settings, for one credit equals two warriors, and two credits equals five warriors, turn switch five off. For one credit equals three warriors, and two credits equals seven warriors, turn switch five on. To set the dungeon that the bonus player is awarded at, for the bonus warrior to be awarded after the third dungeon, turn switch six off. For the bonus warrior to be awarded after the fourth dungeon, turn switch six on. For play mode, for normal coin play, have switch seven off. For free play, have Switch 7 on. And finally, for game attraction sounds, with Switch 8 off, you have continuous sound during attract mode. However, if you turn Switch 8 on, you will have, and I quote, sound during attract mode only if game controls are touched. When any button or control is touched, game provides sound for one complete cycle of the attract mode. It will then be quiet until touched again. A special note, when the switches SW1, SW2, and SW3 are all set to either all on or all off, only coin meter number one will count. If the three switches are set to any other combination, coin acceptor number one will cause coin meter number one to count, and coin acceptor number two will cause coin meter number two to count. Since I don't have a set of Wizard of War boards with me, I can't say for sure if those three switches are referring to the ones I just spoke about or another bank of switches. Anyone have a Wizard of War board that knows for sure? All dip switches and settings are the same for the German version. Wait, what? Did he just say the German version? Meine Güte. Keep listening for more on that. According to the manual, the Wizard of War joystick is unique. While the joystick has four switches, one for each direction like most other joysticks, each switch is comprised of three equal length blades, as they are called in the manual. Just imagine, each switch looking similar to a leaf switch setup for a reference. The blades are numbered 3, 1, 2, going from inside to outside. A light tap on the joystick will make blades 3 and 1 contact each other and cause you to face in a certain direction without moving the player. To move, you just hold the joystick in one direction, thereby making all three contacts touch each other. Development 
Wizard of War was developed by David Nutting Associates. It was designed and programmed by Tom McHugh and Dave Nutting, and was Tom's last game for David Nutting Associates before working at Acton Graphics. In Oddity at the time, there were developer credits in the code, present in WoW.x7 at position 0xfe7 in hexadecimal is Wizard of War DNA, which stands for David Nutting Associates. Those who might be less familiar with MAME, WoW.x7 is one of the files that makes up the entire Wizard of War ROM. I assume that stands for the 7th chip, but I do not know the deep ins and outs of how MAME stores its ROM information. I'd be glad to hear from someone on the MAME team or anyone else that knows more about that. In a History of How We Play interview with Tom, he mentions that Dave Nutting wanted to do a variation of Wizard of War, but in outer space. It sounds like the game was very much like being in the pit level all the time. Tom says that he did program it, but it went nowhere. He mentions that the biggest challenge was making the mazes, deciding what worked and what didn't. He also says that the idea of your warrior coming out of a box was probably Dave Nutting's idea. While not every idea was Tom's, he had a lot of input in the game. He remembers originally that the warriors only moved horizontally. How this would have worked, I'm not sure, but it's worth noting that the first stage in the Invisible Monsters prototype is much more horizontally geared, with eight horizontal rows and only four vertical columns. There are vertical breaks in between the four columns, but the dungeon reads horizontal. According to Tom, the best way to play Wizard of War is defensively. Link in the show notes to the full interview. Title 1. If not the only original title for the game was Invisible Monsters, as we shall see when I talk about a prototype machine that was found. Reception Wizard of War was moderately successful in the arcades. Electronic Games praised the arcade version, stating that while one person and competitive two person play was excellent, two people cooperating was a unique playing experience. Cabinet Description There are three cabinet styles, an upright, a cocktail, and a mini. The upright is model number 961, the cocktail model is 962, and the mini model is 963. The power supply and PCBs are mounted on a tray that slides forward and is accessible from the front of the cabinet. Wizard of War upright arcade cabinets came in a white, dedicated cabinet with sticker side art of a menacing looking wizard. He is stretching out his left or right hand, depending on which side you are looking at. It is obvious from all the artwork that either the wizard is a robot with a mustache or is wearing armor with a mustache. If you look at his hands, they are very robotic looking and appear to be metal. Given that the manual talks about his childhood, it would appear he is wearing armor or is a very advanced, born and raised, mustache wearing robot. Near the bottom of the artwork, there is a yellow splash design that has rectangular splashes on the top and very short lightning bolt splashes on the bottom. It is a unique shape, to say the least. Inside the yellow splash are the words Wizard of War in a red script type font. Below that is the name Midway in red bold letters and right below that is a Bally Co in yellow lettering. And below that, at the bottom left or right, is the circle copyright C 1981 Midway MFG Co. All Rights Reserved. Behind all of this is the blackness of space.
with a few planets around the wizard. The marquee has a similar yellow splash, but not identical to the side art for the upright cabinet. Just below that in white is by Midway. The actual landscape is a flattened maze on a stone floor. Inside the maze are four garwars. Off in the distance, behind the maze, are some mountains, and behind them is the vastness of space, with several planets in the sky. In the foreground are two mortal enemies. You, yellow warrior on the left, ready to fire upon the warlock, and to the right is the wizard of war, hands both outstretched, ready to fire a lightning bolt at you. Cabaret and cocktail versions were also common. The cabaret models has wood grain paneling with no side art. The marquee has the identical yellow splash as the marquee for the upright cabinet. Written on it near the top is Midway in black characters. Immediately below that is Wizard of War in the same font as the upright cabinet's side art. And at the bottom, in a yellow font, is Bally Co. and some other copyright information I could not read but includes what appears to be a 1981 copyright date. The bezel is the same for both upright and cabaret versions. On the left side is a warlock firing a beam from his nose. On the right is that wizard again, right hand extended, firing a lightning bolt. In the background, we can see the wizard is standing on a rocky surface and a few planets in the background. The control panels are a little odd in that the joystick is to the right of the fire button and also that player one is on the right side of the panel. Right below the control panel on both the upright and cabaret is black and white artwork of you, the warrior, in the flattened maze, looking out into the distance at some mountains and planets. Perhaps you are contemplating if this war with the wizard is really necessary. Oh, and also, by the way, there are also two Garwars, a warlock, and the wizard of war who is firing right at you. Then you remember, yes, this war is necessary as you fire back. The cocktail is a standard Bally Midway cocktail from the era, with one major exception. Bally Midway did a very strange thing for this game. The monitor is rotated 90 degrees from how it is normally viewed. On the upright, a person playing the game sees the monitor horizontally orientated. A player sitting at the cocktail version sees the monitor vertically orientated. So basically, on the cocktail, you have to play the game sideways. The artwork on the glass top is the same yellow explosion and red Wizard of War as both marquees, with a red by midway to the upper right. Facing each player is a set of instructions in a yellow font. Audio As mentioned earlier, Wizard of War features some early speech synthesis using a Voltrex SC01 chip. The wizard says 71 different phrases. Many are evil standard wizard fare, such as, Hey, insert coin. Ah, good. My pets were getting hungry. Ha 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 ha. And who could forget the timeless? You'll never leave war alive. Ha 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 ha. Then we have my personal favorite. Your bones will lie in the dungeons of war. Ha 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 ha. And finally, an all-time classic. You've just been fried by the wizard of war. Ha 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 ha. But some are beyond trippy, such as, I'm out of spite, ha 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 ha, mm, yeah. Uh, if you destroy my babies, I'll pop you in the oven, ha 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 ha. A very odd thing for the Wizard of War to say, as I've never seen an oven in any of the dungeons. And to show you that the wizard isn't always a bad guy, he'll sometimes tell you, hey, your space boot's untied, ha 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 ha. 
Now this one could be true and helpful at the same time. No one wants to trip on their space laces. And finally, sometimes he'll say, You won't have a chance for your dance, warrior. Ha 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 ha. This is when you are awarded a bonus warrior. Maybe that's why I never win at the game. All this time I thought it was a shooting game, when it really is a dance-off game. You can find the full list of the wizard's speech at arcade-history.com. Gameplay Much of the gameplay information comes from the game's manual and Doug Lowry's website. Let's start our dive into the gameplay with a quick introduction of our characters. First, we meet you, Yellow Warrior, Player 1. Or, maybe this is you, Blue Warrior, Player 2. Next comes a Burwar, a blue wolf-type creature. You can always see them. Followed by a Garwar, a yellow Tyrannosaurus Rex-type creature. And a Thorwar, a red scorpion-like creature. And rounding out the creatures, a Warlock, an insectoid-type creature. Finally, we have the Wizard of War, a blue wizard who just happens to be the Wizard of War. All enemies except the Warlock can shoot at the Warriors. The Wizard of War manual should be required reading after listening to the podcast. It gives a much more humorous description on how to play the game and a look into the wizard's psyche, even going so far as a look into his childhood. Wizard of War is a maze-based shoot-em-up featuring one-player or cooperative two-player gameplay. In a single-player or two-player game, player one controls yellow warriors on the right, while player two controls blue warriors on the left. The two warriors can pass through each other unhindered. However, players are also able to shoot each other's warriors, earning bonus points and causing the other player to lose a life. So be careful when you are close together. It's very easy to shoot each other, whether accidentally or otherwise. Team-orientated players can successfully advance through the game by using strategies such as standing back-to-back, especially in a short corridor, and firing at anything that comes at them. In the basic dungeons, There are places where two warriors can cut off the monsters as they try to enter the corridor where the warriors are standing. This position is strong, but not invincible. The monsters, particularly the last few monsters left in a maze, are moving fast enough to occasionally duck in between shots and eat you. By the middle of the second level, some of the monsters are faster than you are. Unlike some other maze games, this makes running away difficult almost from the beginning of the game. As previously mentioned in a one-player game, The blue warrior is controlled by the computer. According to the manual, he is a first in video gaming, as he is your friend inside the machine. He will never shoot at you, he only shoots at monsters. Sometimes he will even save your life by shooting a monster sneaking up behind you. Be careful, however, not to get between him and a monster, for he will still try to shoot the monster and you might catch his shot. Your warrior is easy to operate. A four-way joystick for movement in the dungeons and a fire button for the concentrated unified field disturbance rifle. Whew, what a mouthful that was. A light tap to the joystick will face your warrior in a certain direction without moving him out of position. To move your warrior, just hold the joystick in one direction. There are two explanations on how the joystick works in the manual. It first mentions the lengthier three-blade explanation, and then later mentions during the gameplay explanation that the joystick has two contacts in each direction a direction contact, and a movement contact. My guess is that it was easier to explain it in-game as two contacts instead of doing a long-winded three-blade explanation. The Unified Field Disturbance Rifle is even easier to use. Push the fire button, and it fires in the direction your warrior is facing. 
It operates on the principle of a concentrated unified field disturbance area coupled with a displacement through forest space. This means that it can only create one disturbance at a time and the disturbance must continue moving until it expands its energy on some object, usually a monster or a wall of the dungeon. Whew. As mentioned, only one shot can mean the air at a time. This means that in a short corridor, you will be able to fire rapidly because your shot will always quickly encounter a wall. In a long corridor, the shot stays in the air for a long time, leaving you in hot water if a monster is approaching from the side. If your shot occasionally seems to go in the wrong direction, it is because your warrior has not fully rounded a corner before firing. Your shot went in the direction you were just facing, not in your new direction. Learning when not to shoot is an important part of the strategy of this game. Each single screen dungeon consists of an 11 by 6 grid of squares forming walls and corridors. Every dungeon is symmetrical around the center and vertical axis, and each dungeon begins with a dramatic rendering of the five-note opening from Danger Ahead, the theme to the radio and television series Dragnet, with the fifth note only playing on the double-score dungeon screen. Every dungeon has two side escape doors, always located four squares up from the bottom and at the left and right edges of the screen that are interconnected, making the dungeon wrap around. Whenever a door is used by a player or a monster, it deactivates for a short period, making it impassable. The only exception is the player who exits the door can go back through the door immediately when the warlock or wizard is in the dungeon. It should be noted that when the warlock appears, the doors always reset back to close, no matter if they were open or not before he appeared. There are two levels of overall difficulty in the dungeons, basic dungeons and warlord dungeons. Players are referred to as warriors during the first seven levels. When you reach Dungeons 8 and above, you have become a Warlord. Now you have the honor of testing your skill in the Warlord Dungeons. These dungeons are much tougher, there are fewer interior walls, and more open spaces. If even one shot misses and travels a long distance down to the opposite wall, a monster will very likely come up and gobble you down. Finding and establishing yourself in a solid strategic position is very difficult. It is easy to have several warriors chomped up in a row. Sometimes, the monsters will line up along one edge of the maze, such a lovely parade of razor-sharp teeth. However, if just one monster starts approaching from the top, watch out! There are two special dungeons with increased difficulty, the arena and the pit. A bonus warrior is awarded before the arena and before the first pit. The arena is the dungeon that comes right after when the first bonus player is awarded. Since the bonus player is switch selectable for after the third or fourth maze, the same switch will also control when the arena appears. It is the most difficult maze of the basic dungeons. The arena has some interior walls and a large walled off open area in its center that has openings level with the side escape doors. This is a preview of the warlord dungeons and the pit. The pit is exactly what it sounds like, a big empty pit. The pit has no interior walls at all. Surviving the pit is one of the hardest goals of Wizard of War. The pit occurs at the 13th dungeon and every 6th dungeon thereafter. In other words, the 19th, 25th, 31st, and so on dungeons are the pits. One missed shot here is almost certain to be fatal. The wizard is particularly deadly here as there is nowhere to hide. Sophisticated maneuvering, intestinal fortitude, that is guts, and a bit of luck are needed to make it through the pit unscathed. Surviving the pit without losing a warrior earns you the title of Warlord Supreme. 
Best of luck. Below the bottom of the dungeon is the radar. This shows you the location of every monster in the dungeon, visible and invisible. It is important to learn to use the radar to anticipate a monster coming from behind. The only creatures that do not show on the radar are the warriors and the wizard himself. In Dungeon 1, the word radar is shown, indicating to the novice player the function of the radar. On other dungeons, the level of the current dungeon is indicated. When the warlock comes out, the word warlock is displayed there, as is Wizard of War when he shows up. It also tells when either of these has escaped, and it tells when double score has been earned for shooting the warlock. Finally, it also tells you when you are in the arena and in the pit. As long as a player has at least one life in reserve, a backup warrior is displayed in a small sealed box at the corresponding bottom corner of the dungeon. When the current warrior is killed, the box opens and the player has 10 seconds to move the backup into play before automatically being forced in. Entering the dungeon is simple to do, but at times, particularly in the warlord dungeons, choosing the right time to enter can be a little tricky. As stated before, you have 10 seconds to bring your warrior into the maze. To do so, just push the joystick up towards the maze. When your warrior comes out, he is facing the radar screen, that is, left for player 1 and to the right for player 2. If you do not bring the warrior out of the ready box immediately, the 10 second countdown begins and the numbers of the countdown are shown next to the ready box. However, monsters might be milling around next to your ready box. To avoid being eaten, wait for the monsters to clear the area before bringing your warrior out. It is important to note that a new warrior can be brought in at any point during these 10 seconds. If you get eaten or shot by the warlock, he may not escape immediately. It is often possible to immediately bring a second warrior in and kill the warlock before he escapes for double score on the next dungeon. Each dungeon starts filled with six Burr Wars. In the first dungeon, when the last Burr War is shot, he is replaced by a Gar War. When the Gar War is killed, he is replaced by a Thor War. The first dungeon ends when the Thor War is shot and killed. In the second dungeon, the last two Burr Wars are replaced by Gar Wars when killed. The third dungeon, the last three Burr Wars, are replaced by Gar Wars, and so on. From the sixth dungeon on, a Gar War will replace every Burr War when killed. In every dungeon, killing a Gar War causes a Thor War to appear. When a monster is placed in the dungeon, it is at a random location, somewhere away from both warriors. All these monsters can shoot an occasional lightning bolt. Of the creatures, only the Gar War and Thor War has a wizard spell of invisibility. So in the first dungeon, there are a total of eight monsters, six Burr Wars, one Gar War, and one Thor War. In the second maze, there are a total of 10 monsters, 6 Burr Wars, 2 Gar Wars, and 2 Thor Wars. In the sixth dungeon, there are a total of 18 monsters, 6 Burr Wars, 6 Gar Wars, and 6 Thor Wars. This is the maximum number of monsters in a dungeon level. Note that there are really no more than 6 monsters in one dungeon at any time. It just seems like there are more. As mentioned earlier, both Gar Wars and Thor Wars have the ability to turn invisible at times. They always appear in the maze for one second if they are in the same passageway as a player, including a computer-controlled player. Not mentioned as often, but buried in the manual, is the fact that they also appear visible for one second after they are first created. What I could not find mentioned anywhere else, but I figured out by watching YouTube videos of gameplay, is that while you can always see them on the radar and in the aforementioned two scenarios, there is one other scenario where either a Gar War or Thor War turns visible. They appear for at least one second after they are in the same tunnel as another creature. However, 
I could not verify that they only stay visible for one second, and not longer, after being in a tunnel with another creature, as they started to go to a player too quickly after that in the video. However, it makes more sense for them to follow the same timing rule as being in a tunnel with a warrior, rather than code a special rule just for creatures. For proof of all this, watch the YouTube video in the show notes. When watching the video, start by watching the only red Thorwar at the time, in the mid-lower right of the screen starting at 206. It is created and appears at 206 with no one around, disappears at 207, reappears at 209 when Yellow Warrior's gun tip is in the same tunnel, disappears at 210 when Blue Warrior is in the same row, but not the same tunnel as there is a wall between them, and finally, for the proof of this scenario, he reappears at 2.13 when the yellow Garwar is created in the same tunnel at 2.12 with neither warrior in the tunnel and is then killed at 2.14. All the monsters work on a speed-up timer. This timer increments the speed of the monsters every time it counts down, which is about every 7 seconds. A Garwar that replaces a Burwar will start at the speed the Burwar was going when destroyed. The same is true for Thor Wars. So, in the early mazes, Gar Wars and Thor Wars end up going faster than Burr Wars, although given enough time, Burr Wars can get moving as fast as any monster. According to the Gaming History website, in Dungeon 4 and before, any monster traveling at top speed will always be visible. I find that hard to believe, since it contradicts the known rules for monster visibility. It might just seem that way, as by that time, any remaining monsters are going to be on or next to a warrior in a second or two at most. By Dungeon 7, the Burr Wars start at top speed. Any monster traveling at this speed is not able to shoot lightning bolts. From the second dungeon on, after the last Thor War is killed, a warlock will appear and try to escape through one of the side doors. The level ends when the warlock either escapes or is killed. In the latter case, all point values for the next dungeon are doubled. This means that killing a warlock is essential for high scores. A good strategy is to position your warrior by the door that the warlock should use to escape. If a warlock should eat your warrior, bring the next one out immediately into play and go after him again. Remember, he is worth double points on the next maze. But at the moment that a warlock has been shot, beware warrior, for it is then that the Wizard of War might choose to appear. The Wizard of War may appear starting in the second dungeon once the warlock has either escaped or been killed. He uses multiple teleport spells to pop around the dungeon, eventually homing in on one warrior or the other. All the while, he wildly fires lightning bolts in every direction. At first, he teleports some distance away from one warrior. Then on successive teleports, he gets closer and closer. Note that if two warriors are very near each other, the wizard may teleport right next to one of them the very first time. This is because he was teleporting a certain distance away from the other warrior and happened to come up right next to the first warrior. The wizard remains in the dungeon until he shoots a warrior or is killed. Shooting the wizard does not kill him, it only banishes him temporarily. As mentioned earlier, in every dungeon except for the first one, there is a possibility that the wizard could show up. This possibility is based on the level of the dungeon you are currently in and on the total number of warriors left in the game. However, even at the highest dungeon level, it is not certain that he will appear. As you get deeper into the dungeons, the wizard stays for a shorter period of time and teleports even faster. This means he gets closer a lot faster, so you must try and shoot him soon after he first comes out. Otherwise, he may end up teleporting right next to you almost immediately. Much like an annoying sibling, the wizard continually taunts the player throughout the game.
scoring. The points are straightforward. Boer War, 100 points. Gar War, 200 points. Thor War, 500 points. Shooting either the Yellow or Blue Warrior, 1,000 points. Warlock, 1,000 points, plus double score for the next dungeon. And the Wizard of War, 2,500 points. Levels. There are 25 known different dungeon levels. There are official names for two of the dungeons, the Pit and Arena. Doug Lowry has 22 unofficial names for the dungeons. They are as follows. Columns, Funnels, X-Wing, Side Door, Temple, Gutter, Seaboard, Meat Grinder, Rocking Chair, Corner Bump, Candlesticks, Nemesis, Center Lane, Untitled 2, P-Board, Guts, Elbows, Untitled 1, Bunker, Elephant, Devil's Tower, Rocket, and one other unnamed maze. I'd like to throw my hat in the ring of maze naming. You heard it here first. I am naming the previously named Untitled 2 maze to the Wizard of War W maze, or W cubed for short. It should be noted that Dr. David Ewan, a former world record holder on Wizard of War, provided the screenshots on Doug's page. High score screen. The high score table has the words high scores about a quarter of the way down the screen. Immediately below that are two columns. One labeled three warriors, the other labeled seven warriors. Each column has space for the top five scores. At the bottom of the screen are the two latest scores in blue and yellow boxes for player two and player one respectively. Flashing between the boxes are the words insert coin. What really is interesting about the high score table is what is in the upper quarter of the screen. It reads as follows. First, there is a circle copyright C, then the words 1980 Midway MFG Co. The next line down says all rights reserved. So now we have one other place that lists 1980 as the copyright and possible finished or release date. It is also possible that the copyright was filed in 1980 with the game being finished in 1980 or 1981. Strategies From Kevin Butler's Wizard of War FAQ at GameSpot.com, we learn many strategies and expand on a few others we have already covered. What follows is 18 of Kevin's strategies. Number 1. Take a quick look at the maze before you go into it. Know the locations of the monsters and also find areas that will be suitable for defending yourself. The Burr Wars will already be roaming around. Number 2. When playing in a one-player mode, the computer player will assist you to a degree. Use this to your advantage. This will be especially true in the later levels when the invisible monsters are roaming the maze. The computer player can help you by making them become visible. Keep in mind that you can kill off the computer warrior and they can do the same to you. Number 3. Two-player works like one player. Learn to work together and try not to kill each other, unless you are playing a cutthroat competition. Number 4. It is easier to turn from side to side than it is to turn from side to up and down. Find the short wall that will only allow monsters to approach you from the side. Align your warrior just a little past the corridor walls above and below you. This will give you the advantage of seeing invisible monsters in two corridors versus one corridor. Number 5. 
Another advantage of the previous strategy is that the monsters will first push you backwards or forward versus killing you. This gives you one quick chance to get a shot off at close range before they kill you. Of course, if you survive, you must get back into position since the monsters will seldom attack you singularly in the later dungeons. Number 6. Learn to tap the joystick so you can rapidly turn without moving your warrior. This will prove invaluable on the later levels when you have to turn back and forth rapidly to shoot the enemies coming at you. Number 7. Learn to use your radar. Although it doesn't have the maze superimposed upon it, you can get a pretty good idea of where the invisible monsters are and where they are moving to. This will definitely help decrease the chance of being surprised by one of them. Number 8. When you are shooting, make sure you are making your shots count. You can only have one shot out at a time. This basically means that until your shot hits a wall or a monster, you have no firepower. So don't fire down long corridors or you may find yourself surrounded by monsters without being able to shoot them. Number 9. Your shots can also be negated by the other warrior shots, monster's breath weapons, and the wizard's lightning bolt. Number 10. As the dungeons progress, the monsters become smarter. Not only do they attempt to surround your character, they also move out of the way when you are aiming at them. In addition to becoming smarter, they move much quicker and tend to swarm on your warrior. Number 11. You can use the side door once during a dungeon. When you use the side door, it will seal off behind you as you get to the other side. Only use it when you really need to. Don't hang around since the monsters will also use it to get to your location. Number 12. The warlock will appear after the last monster has been killed. Warlocks usually appear in the center of the maze and move towards one of the side doors. Try to seal off the doors to prevent the warlock from escaping. Also, hit it at long range since trying to fight toe-to-toe -to -toe with it would be suicide. Lucky number 13. After you clear out the warlock, you may be confronted by the Wizard of War himself. This may be the one time when a preemptive shot may do some good since the wizard may teleport into your shot. You can also use the same tactics of creeping up from behind a wall with the wizard since you won't be hit until you are pushed back into the corridor. 14. Standing in a long corridor when the wizard is teleporting in can be quite risky. If he comes up in that corridor, he will have a clear shot at you. Avoid this at all costs and move out of the long corridor as soon as the warlock is killed. Number 15. If you survive through Dungeon 7, you will now be classified as a warlord. This basically means all the monsters are moving at maximum speed and they are all coming for you. 16. If you don't lose a warrior on the dungeons with the pit, you will be classified as a warlord supreme. 17. For the mazes that are open, such as the pit, or very near open, such as the arena, go to a corner to present the smallest possible target and to force the monsters to only come at you from two directions. And finally, number 18, it has been suggested that the left blue warrior can fire faster than the yellow warrior. So if it doesn't matter, when possible, plays the blue warrior. Glitches. The Clov website, that's klov.com, goes into great detail on several glitches in Wizard of War. Getting 16 total warriors. During gameplay, if you are quick enough with the power switch, turn the game off and back on quickly and you will gain all the players the game can hold. The limit is 16 per left or right player. If the computer is playing the blue player, it will also get 16 players. It doesn't matter which dungeon this is done in. Freezing the game. 
It has been said to make getting 16 warriors easier, you can do the following. Clear the dungeon of all creatures, then let the warlock leave or shoot it, then as soon as possible, take a shot for the wizard before he appears. If you hit the wizard before he appears, you freeze the game. The dungeon wall stays the orange sparkling effect and the sound is stuck on the sound of the player's gun firing. Your players cannot move, but no more warlings or warlocks will appear and neither will the wizard. So technically you have beat the game? On old versions of this game, possibly the original ones, you can freeze the game even after the wizard appears and disappears several times. On later versions, this procedure has to be done before the wizard actually appears. And yes, the computer player can freeze the game also. After freezing the game, turn it off and then back on quickly to regain all your players as stated above. Since it has been suggested, but not proven to my knowledge, that the left blue player can fire faster than the yellow player, it is easier for the blue player to freeze the game. On old versions of the game, this can be done seven or more times. On later versions, this can only be done three or four times. What I'm about to tell you next sounds very much like the game freeze I just mentioned, but it is different enough that I will mention it separately. If you are very, very fast with shooting your gun before the wizard appears and you hit the spot exactly where the wizard was going to show up, you do what is called a pre-freeze, which is quite a spectacular event. Instead of freezing everything and going into the normal sequence, the sound goes crazy, the dungeon flashes black and white several times, but the players can still move and fire their guns. The dungeon then flashes a sparkling effect on the flashing black and white walls. The dungeon flashes a solid orange. Then the dungeon flashes a sparkling orange walls. The players stop moving and firing, and then the dungeon flashes black and white, and the sequence stops. These are by far the most interesting effects that can happen in this game, although it is quite a rare occurrence. It should be noted that I keep mentioning older versions, but as of 2019, there are no other known older versions of Wizard of War with the exception of the prototype. Also, it is odd that there would be not one, but two ways to freeze the game, both almost identical, but just slightly different. So it is entirely possible that freezing the game is just an urban legend. Here are some bugs in the game. When the dungeon counter goes to zero space 100, I'm not sure if that's just supposed to be 100, it will no longer count properly. The last digit will be correct, but the first digit or digits if there is a zero in front of the number 100, will no longer be accurate. In addition, according to Kevin Butler, after the dungeon counter passes 100, it will reset, but the first digits will no longer be in sync with the counter. While similar in wording, these are not the same, and since I am not good enough to reach level 101 or higher, I couldn't test it. If you survive to the 18th dungeon, the wizard appears and stays on the screen for a long period of time. This is not only for part of a second, but around 5 seconds at a time, which is also quite a sight to see. He fires his lightning bolt every which way until he kills a player or a player shoots him. From here, the wizard's appearance time begins to shorten once again. He stays for longer periods of time in the following dungeons. 18, 43, 66, 91, 120, and 151. Again. Due to me not being able to reach the levels mentioned, I can't verify if after Dungeon 18 they are the correct dungeons. This may or may not be a bug, but the wizard's line of fire is different from that of both players. You can line up in certain areas where the wizard will shoot at you, but cannot kill you with his lightning bolts. For completionist's sake, 
I will re-mention that if you align your player up properly and in the right area, any creatures, including the warlock or the wizard, will have to push you backwards or forwards into a corridor first by shooting you or running you over, and then they can kill you. Different versions. There is a German ROM, although not all the text is in German. Also, unfortunately, the wizard doesn't speak in German to you. How awesome would it be to hear him say, Ich break dich mit meinen Blitzen, or in English, I'll fry you with my lightning bolts. There is no indication in the manual that the foreign language is necessarily German. It only says foreign language and in parentheses requires A082 91374 A000. So it's not out of the question other languages were planned or possibly prototyped. Highscoresaves.com has a high score saving kit. Not only does it allow you to save your high scores on both the English and German versions, it allows you to upload your scores to an online scoreboard. It has other features too, including being able to enter your initials and more. Prototype. On or just before January 20th, 2017 at 8.50 a.m., someone in Chicago posted a game called Invisible Monsters on Craigslist for $200. By 10.14 a.m., it was already sold. Four months later, it was sold on eBay, from there, it is unknown where it went. In the interest of privacy, I have purposely left out the winning bid amount and the seller's location. This information is easily found on the internet for those interested, like myself. The person who purchased it off of Craigslist goes by the name Troy F. He was generous enough to send some pictures to the site ArcadeHeroes.com, a link in the notes. Troy was able to gather the following history of the game. He tells us, The seller's father was a dentist in Chicago. One day, this guy came in for dental work and couldn't pay the normal way. But, he had some arcades to trade. That's how it came to be in the seller's family. As Arcade Heroes mentions, it seems plausible that the person who traded arcades for dental work is one of the game's creators, or just someone who worked at Bally Midway, which is what I think, who ended up with the game. Back in the early days of arcade gaming, no one really thought about these games being valuable down the road, especially for a game that would end up being improved and mass-produced. Many thanks go to YouTuber, mad conservative crime fighter, and Troy F. for making a 19-minute video of the cabinet and gameplay. I will describe what he filmed, but if you are all interested in either Wizard of War or just prototype games in general, you should watch his videos. There will be a link in the show notes. You can also find him by searching for Crime Fighter and his channel should pop up. Let's start out with the gameplay. He mentions that the dungeon and characters are scaled differently, and it appears that way. However, since the video is shot at an angle, it is hard for me to say for sure. The radar has four quadrants instead of just one. Instead of blue and yellow warriors, there are red and yellow warriors. According to Mad Conservative Crime Fighter, the red computer-controlled warrior seems much more aggressive than in the final version, and I have to say, I agree. The warriors are a solid color instead of multicolored. Also, there is no option to start with more than three warriors like there is in Wizard of War. Therefore, the high score table reads Copyright Circle C, 1980 Midway MFG Co. Then the next line down is High Scores. And below that is the listing of the top five scores with the current score boxes now red and yellow and having the words Get Ready flashing between them instead of the final version of blue and yellow and the words 
insert coin. Going into the game, all your warriors are shown at the bottom of the screen in individual boxes. Unlike Wizard of War, that only shows you the forced exit countdown once it gets to 2, Invisible Monsters shows you the countdown starting at 9. The Warlock and the Wizard are not present at this time, and there is no speech present in this early version, but the music and sound effects are the same as the final version. When the game starts, it does say Get Ready Go, as in the final version. However, the words Get Ready are in red, not in yellow, like the final version. Invisible Monsters only has one type of enemy, and it is not named, but they come in three colors, blue, yellow, and red. However, in Invisible Monsters, all three colors of creatures can turn invisible, including the blue Burwar. I will call the creatures their names based on their colors from Wizard of War, even though, as mentioned, they are not named as such in Invisible Monsters. The game starts out with you battling the only creature in the game, an early version of Thorwar, and like in the final version, these creatures can and will shoot you very quickly. However, unlike Wizard of War, which only has a max of 6 creatures at once, Invisible Monsters start out with 8. They all start out as red in the first dungeon, but at some point, 2 yellow ones are created. The second screen starts with 8 yellow Garwars. Again, at some unknown time, blue Burwars appear. Unlike in Wizard of War, not all the monsters speed up at the same time. During the video, we see at least once where there is a blue Burwar going much faster than a yellow Garwar. The red creatures are worth 10 points, yellow are worth 20 points, and blue are worth 100 points. Killing the other player gives you 50 points. Unlike Wizard of War, there is no screen showing how much each different colored creature is worth. The explosion animation is the same for all three creatures and the warriors, the only difference being that the explosion is the color of the character killed. Double score dungeons appear to happen automatically at the fourth dungeon, at which point it goes back to the first maze. In Invisible Monsters, it says double score, with double in red and score in yellow, whereas in Wizard of War, it's double score dungeon, with double in blue, score still in yellow, and dungeon in red. Mad Conservative Crime Fighter also mentions that there might be only three mazes in the prototype, unlike the 25 in the release version, but he was never able to get to Dungeon 5. Next, let's talk about the cabinet. The game cabinet looks nothing like the final Wizard of War cabinet. The marquee is a whitish color with the name Invisible Monsters written on the left side. All the artwork and writing are in black. The name is split into two rows and the font itself is sliced into thin slices, almost like scan lines on a CRT monitor. To the right and at the bottom of the marquee is a copyright circle C, 1980, Midway, MFG Co., all rights reserved. What I assume is you, the warrior, is on the right quarter of the marquee. I will say that this warrior looks somewhat similar to the drawing of your warrior on the arcade flyers. However, you have what appear to be scales for skin with small spikes running down both arms and four claws for fingers. You appear to be firing a black laser beam to the left side of the marquee using your right claws. Human, you are not. You are wearing an inverted triangle vest. You also appear to be wearing some sort of breathing apparatus with tubes in the back running from your neck to your middle back. To complete this ensemble, you are wearing a black cloth around your head covering where your mouth would be. Your eyes are big black ovals that taper off towards the side of your head. For some reason, you are wearing what can be best described as a pith helmet on your head. Finally, tying this all together is a white belt with a round black belt buckle. 
a fashion statement, perhaps? It is in a cabaret cabinet, but not a standard Wizard of War cabaret. Perhaps someone with a better eye than I can tell us what the cabinet was originally, or if it was a custom-built cabaret. It has been suggested that it is a modified Pac-Man cabaret. There is no side art, and it has a standard midway coin door. On the underside of where the marquee is mounted is a speaker. Below that, there's a plain black bezel with some basic instructions on the bottom. The instructions are made of six bullet points. They are, insert coin, select one or two players, control stick moves man and aims gun, press button to fire, shoot the monsters, four high score. Yes, the last bullet point really just does say four high score. From there, the bezel sort of drops off into the control panel which has the two tiny buttons for Player 1 and Player 2, just like Wizard of War has. The buttons are unlabeled, and they are not shown during gameplay, so it is not known which order they are in. On the control panel are two joysticks, and to the left of each of them is a fire button. It is interesting to note that even at this early stage, the joysticks were to the right of the fire button, and in the distinctly Wizard of War order of Player 2 on the left and Player 1 on the right. From the pictures and video, it appears that the joysticks and buttons are the same as what was used in the final game. To complete the control panel, there are four direction arrows around the joysticks, showing you the directions you can move, with the word move right below the joystick. Between each joystick and its fire button is the word player 2 and player 1, respectively going from left to right. The front of the control panel flows down in one continuous piece of metal. On the front is the drawing of the warrior from the marquee. To the left, is the same copyright information from the marquee. This drawing of the warrior does show a little more of you below the belt. It also shows a little more of your left arm. From the video, it is hard to tell if it is scales or armor covering your lower body. Since this is a family show, I will leave that to you guys to figure out. Inside, it has what appears to be the six slots for boards as mentioned previously in the podcast. There is handwriting and ink on several of the chips indicating what appear to be a date of 9-4 and chips IM 1 through 7. I want to thank the three main players in getting us what we do know about this game Troy F., the Mad Conservative Crime Fighter, and the Arcade Heroes website, plus anyone else known or unknown, no matter how big or small your role was. Thank you. In popular culture, on the webpage spritestitch.com, a user by the name of Kid Missile made two arcade-themed cross-stitchings. One is a Space Invader and the Green Base next to each other with a heart above them and above that the saying, Make Love, Not War. The other has the yellow and blue warriors facing each other, blue on the left, yellow on the right, guns drawn. Between them is a heart. And above that is Make Love, Not War, spelt W-O-R. World Records. Twin Galaxies tracks all four tracks for both MAME and the Arcade. Starting with MAME, the Three Lives single player score is 408,400, achieved by Ville Behervuri on December 14, 2007. The Seven Lives single player score is 156,900 by Greg Winsett on April 7, 2009. Moving on to the two player tracks, the Three Lives two-player score is 86,300, 
performed by Justin Stefanowicz and Richard Jarowskiewicz on July 11, 2010. The Seven Lives two-player score is 70,600 by Oscar Scalcia and Patricio Garnisa on July 23, 2011. Moving on to the actual arcade cabinet, the Three Lives single-player score is 485,200, achieved by Doug Lowry, July 21, 2008. The Seven Lives single-player score is 627,400, also by Doug Lowry, performed nearly a year later on April 4, 2009. Moving on to the two-player tracks, the Three Lives two-player score is 1,303,300, performed by the father and son team of John Thomas and Josh Powell on June 2, 2002. The Seven Lives two-player score is 1,398,500, also performed by the father and son team of John Thomas and Josh Powell on June 2, 2002. An interesting thought is if there was a three-player version of Wizard of War and these three guys played as a team, would they score only in the 2 million point range as indicated by totaling their scores? Or would they be able to protect each other even more so and go on to score in the tens of millions? Arcade, of course, only tracks scores on an actual arcade cap, so there are considerably less tracks and scores. The Three Lives single player score is 214,200 by Joshua Powell, February 9th, 2013. Since there is no picture of this Joshua Powell, I cannot say for sure that this isn't the one from the father and son team of 2002. But given the score of just over 214,000 by this Joshua, it seems unlikely. The Seven Lives single player score is 50,400 by Tim Vanderkolk on February 14, 2016. There is no score for either the three or seven lives two player track. Looks like there are some opportunities for someone or someone's to get on one or both of these scoreboards, especially on the two-player tracks. Competitive Tournaments MGL 38 recently wrapped up, and along with that, the World Championship of Esports 2. This year, the WCE 2 spanned MGL 35 through MGL 38, and had a total of 33 games many never played in the MGL or WCE before. Yours truly, placed 19th out of a total of 86 players. The World Championship of Esports 3 and MGL 39 started on April 12, 2019. While you won't be able to get in all the games, you can still compete and be ready for the MGL 40. You can register at either AussieArcade.com or TwinGalaxies.com. Search for MGL or for a direct link, see the show notes. Also coming up is the Summer YOLO 2019. Registration ends June 30th. Unlike the MGL, which is an individually based tournament, this is a team based tournament. From their site, Summer Yellow 2019 is a multi game team based competition. Players will compete on many games during an event, and their rank will be measured by their performance across the multiple titles in competition. This is a team based event, meaning the team with the best overall performance will win. There will be 20 games and the number of teams will vary based on the number of entries. Top 6 scores from each team will be used to score points for each game. You can register at cagtournaments.com.
www.thinkingfaith.com. Did I miss something important or get a fact wrong? Let me know. All feedback is appreciated. As some of you may have heard, I am looking for your arcade memories to use in a future episode, just on arcade memories. You can get them to me in multiple ways. Record a memory, or more if you're so inclined, or type them up for me to read, and send them to 80sArcadePodcast at gmail.com, or message me through Facebook, or DM me through Twitter. Heck, if you see me on the street, just start telling me your memories. Until next episode, this is Bob Johnson saying, Always have a quarter ready. You never know where you'll find the next game. Thank you for listening to the 80s Arcade Podcast. We want to hear from you. You can reach us on Twitter at 80s Arcade Pod, on Facebook at 80s Arcade Podcast, and on the web at 80sArcadePodcast.com. 